0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode, fun-filled episode, I might add, of the Carnival of Randomness. I'd like to begin with a quote from the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., because this actually is related to today. We are not makers of history. We are made by history. However, in this case, we're going to be made by historical fiction. Coming to you live, actually, from the fiction section at the Russian State Library in Moscow, One of the top ten largest libraries in the world with over 44.5 million items on catalog. I am Zach. Hi, I'm Rob Doskaevsky, everybody. Yeah, spell that. Anyway, we're going to... can't even say it. Well, yeah. We're going to be talking historical fiction, and I think we're going to start off with what is historical fiction because it's a very odd genre that a lot of people really can't fully explain, so... I think the way to explain it is, okay, an autobiography
1: that's real people. Now, for example, say we do one on Jackie Robinson now. Say I was a journalist in it, and I'm not real, but you're seeing it through my eyes. That would be historical fiction. A straight biography would be just about all real people, even if Hollywood gets it wrong, as they often
0: do. Well, yes, because Hollywood does love to take their creative liberties. You know, the, uh, most recently the Churchill movie.
1: I actually saw Darkest Hour yesterday, so I can't... Yeah. Gary
0: Oldman looked like uh,
1: Winston Churchill, I guess. See, I haven't
0: but seen that one. I mean, the the Brian Cox one simply called Churchill, which was basically a giant propaganda film.
1: I mean, it was almost like the end of Star Trek, the one that was Dunkirk.
0: Yeah. Boy. But anyway, we're going to be discussing historical fiction. So basically, things like, based on a real thing
1: but fabricated in some way. And also it's going to be movies and books and maybe crossovers because they become movies.
0: Well then why don't we uh, start with a crossover? The Terror. It's a new series just premiered season 1 la- this past year on what AMC it was an AMC, I think. AMC based off of a book and it's a historic or a fictionalized account of Sir, J- Sir Captain John Franklin's Antarctic expeditions with the HMS Terror and, and the, the HMS Erebus. Erebus. Uh most of the characters in the show are real. The doctor is, yeah, I Yeah, Dr. That. Good Sir, uh, I actually wrote some down. Uh, Sir John Franklin was real. That was his real name, too, Good Sir. Yeah, Francis Crozier was real. F- James Fitzjames was real as well. Only thing is, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show or read the book, the Toonbach, the... What what would you call the Inuit or they they pronounce it
1: is is it Eskimo the way they pronounce they pronounce Eskimo but they pronounce it differently. It's supposed to be nineteenth century. Yeah,
0: they pronounce it. It's Esquimatic, Esquimatic or something of that. But basically, it's the the story of Franklin's expedition to was it the one of the poles Arctic? I think it was the Arctic, and they met with all kinds of just terrible. Terrible calamities. I don't know how they survived. I've read several books on them. They're very good. It's an incredible story. But this one takes it and spins it into their being hunted by a supernatural native or indigenous creature, the Toonbach, who you... Told me was the Bumble from. I swear it is. The book was by Dan
1: Simmons, and he's written a lot of different things. He's actually written science fiction books about the Iliad and the Odyssey and Hyperion, but he's very interested in exploration. He does one book in the Himalayas that have Nazis, the Yeti, if it's the Yeti or not, but he did this one. And it really is the bumble. I swear it's the bumble.
0: Before, he turned good, obviously.
1: Now, you've read the book. Have you seen any of the show? No, actually, I've had it on loan from the library,
0: plug for library, so it'll kick us out here. See, I'm actually on the opposite, and I have not read the book yet, but I have seen the show.
1: Ridley Scott produces it. Yeah, Ridley
0: Scott, I think, was a producer, executive producer. He was involved in it. Didn't direct it, I don't believe. But in any way, they are releasing a second season, which... I'll have to read the book and see how that's going to work. But that's a good one because it was a book that was turned into a TV show. Good crossover. For all you young viewers out here, The Three
1: Musketeers <laughs> is not just a candy bar. The Three Musketeers is <laughs> a famous book by Alexander Dumas, who was, in his time, there's been an analogy made between him and Elton John where they said Elton in the 70s would do tons of songs. You did some good ones and a lot of bad ones. And I guess that's why Dumas' his books were known to that. And this takes—it's back in the court of Louis the Thirteenth, from sixteen twenty-five to twenty-eight. It's about the King's Musketeers: Porthos, Aramis, and what the heck was the other name? Athos. Thank you. I forgot that. Athos, Porthos, Porthos, and there. Aramis,
0: and D'Artagnan, and the, D'Art- uh, the fourth of the three Musketeers. And
1: D'Artagnan was compared in the beginning of the book. The analogy is made to Don Quixote on Rocinante, his horse. And all the thing about this is they were all based on real people. It turned out there's some speculation that D'Artagnan was the man the Iron Mask, but at any rate, he was killed in a battle, took a cannonball to the head at 42, but it mixes all these guys up, they were all real, they never met in real life though, and they have them going, they're the king's guards, and they have them going against Count de Rochefort, who was not addressing, he's a villain, but he was not real, I mean Lady de Winter, but Richelieu was the other villain in it, the thing about that is Louis Thirteenth was a dunce, but... Rich Lou was the power behind the throne. He wasn't really a bad guy, but they needed ones, I guess. And then Louis XIII bounced out for the Sun King. But a lot of it, they take all these events at court, and they take these guys together that never were really together, even though they were real. And they did this in the movie adaptation in the 70s. It was really good. And they split it into two, and they only paid the actor for one. So... Take it for what it is. It's a lot of fun though.
0: The one I liked had Oliver Platt in it. Oh, that one. With Charlie Sheen, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget Louis Thirteenth, then begat Louis XIV, who made an excellent cognac.
1: And was the Sun King who reigned for eighty years or something. Yeah, it was he had something two like stomachs, that. had as many children as Ben Franklin.
0: Which is a lot. Uh moving on to same continent, different era. It's the I can't remember what year it came out. It was in the late 60s, I believe. The movie by Stanley Kubrick called Barry Lyndon. It was set in, I think, 1750s Ireland? Ireland or Scotland? No, Ireland. I'm sorry, Europe for that. Basically, it's the trials and tribulations of a young man named Barry Lyndon, played by Ryan O'Neill, I believe it was. Set in an actual historical time period visually stunning movie. Uh, I mean, Kubrick went as far as to film it all in natural lighting, yeah. had period experts come in to make sure that the buttons on the clothing were exactly what they would have been in that time period. And Barry Lyndon was not a real person. No, I think a lot of it was his adaptation almost. I think there's a book by Thackeray, I may be yeah, wrong. It's it's based on it the Thackeray It reminds me book.
1: a lot of Candide in a way because it's somebody who, not to
0: spoil it, but things won't go right. If you're spoiling Candide, I think we're having a problem. No, no. At this point. But, I mean, Barry Lyndon, he goes through, uh, he ends up, I think he's shot in a, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. he, he ends up in a
1: duel and what happens is he almost does an Alexander Hamilton. I'm not going to shoot, so the other guy shoots him in the leg.
0: Yeah, he shot him in the leg and he had a pronounced limp for the rest of his life. And then it was just him going through and just trying to get his life back together. I like the movie. It's hard to watch because I think it's a little long. Well, that's Stanley. That's, that's Kubrick for you. But that's the kind of thing we're talking about. It doesn't necessarily have to be based on a specific event or person. But it tries to give you bring a period to life, like yeah. a
1: time, and it tries to extrapolate on it.
0: And that, that one definitely did for mid-18th century
1: Ireland. One of the ones I like, and I'm going to try to pronounce the name of the movie because it's long, no pun intended. Ha. The Bingalong Motor Kings and Traveling All-Stars, or is it the Long All-Stars and Traveling Motor Team. And this is a period piece about the Negro Leagues, and it involves around a barnstorming team that's... Run by Bingo Long, played by Billy D. Williams, and it has also Richard Pryor as the pitcher. James Earl Jones is in it. They say to heck with it; they're not treated well by their team, so they branch out. They go traveling across the country. This happened all the time back in those days.
0: Babe Ruth. Oh, Babe Ruth was, for a, was a barnstormer. For, and back they in go in the the 20s on about the problems they have
1: with. Crooked stadium owners who try to fix the games and going through all the tribulations. Unfortunately, in those days, you can't stay at the hotel. And there's actually, they bring up a lot of players from the real days of those days. And that's why I wonder, looking up Randomites, I don't know if Bingo Long was a real person or not.
0: But there is, they
1: bring up Josh Gibson a lot, There's that's a really good story. Josh Gibson was considered by many to be the best player of all time, and there's a story th- about I him. I think
0: even Babe Ruth considered him to be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He uh, unfortunately died very young due to, uh, I think he had a brain tumor or some sort of brain issue, unfortunately. Played the entirety of his baseball career in the Negro Leagues in the Pittsburgh area with the Homestead Grays and the Pittsburgh Crawfords, mainly with the Homestead Grays, but he was a power hitter, and I know his... Uh, Hall what did he play, actually? What position? I wanted to say catch, but it was usually no, I
1: first, third. Look I it up, Randy. I think he was an
0: infielder, I think. But in you that, were joshing about that, though, I hope. No, not at all. But in any event, he um, I think his Hall of Fame plaque reads something along the lines of over 800 home runs because, obviously... Records at that time period for any sport are spotty at best, but I think even more so for the for the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues were amazing, though. I mean, there's somebody,
1: Mamie Pina Johnson, we tried to look her up one time. What did this guy do?
0: It yeah. wasn't a guy. Yeah, I it, thought it was a, a male player, but no, she was one of the few female players in the Negro Leagues, pitched for the Indianapolis Clowns. But there's a story about Josh that well, Josh, may not be
1: real, maybe. And but... this
0: is another historical fiction, a tall tale, as it were uh pittsburgh was playing washington i believe in pittsburgh josh gibson hits a towering home run the ball is never found never they never see it land so the next day they switch cities they go down to washington the teams are just about to come out the game is about to start and a ball flies out of nowhere one of the infielders for washington catches it nobody knows where this ball came from Look around. The umpire looks at it, turns to Josh Gibson, and says, you're out yesterday in Pittsburgh. It's amazing. You wonder how old he was, too, for real, because they lied about those things, too. Josh Gibson? He died young, he though. He died, I think he was in his
1: 30s? Well, I think Satchel Paige was 100 by the time he got to the majors. N- yeah, I
0: think he, I think mid to late 40s Satchel Paige. But that that was a good one. Now, all right, I got a question for you. It was something I thought of. How would you classify American gods?
1: Uh, Ian McShane
0: is God, no matter what he does. Well, right, that's mythology.
1: In a way, you could say it's historic because they use mythology and they try to play it into Americana about the idea that technologies become the new gods for
0: America. And you think about it, I think it's a modern day telling of. I'm going to butcher the name of the Titanomacy. Titanomachie. I don't know. It's the when the, the Greek, when the Pantheon overthrew the Titans on Olympus. I just don't know which that one is. It's basically the one where um, Hades and Zeus and Poseidon, they drew lots after they overthrew yeah. the Titans and cast them out. It's basically the old gods versus the new gods in a battle for superiority.
1: And that's what it really is. In a lot of ways, Mr. Wednesday, who's Ian McShane in the... Series and in the book he's not Ian McShane because Ian McShane we think is real even though he's incredible. No, he's. But they have the Thunderbird in there from Native American.
0: They have the Thunderbird, uh, uh, the Queen of Sheba, yeah. Um, Easter, yeah, Easter, Esther, however you want to pronounce the of the the Germanic you goddess heathen. of the spring. Um, who was in the show? It was uh, Peter Stormari. Oh, Chernobog from Slavic. And Vulcan was in it. Vulcan was in it. The guy with the hammer. Was that Thor? The one who's going to bonk the guy
1: on the head? No, that was Chernobog. Oh, was Chernobog. That worked in the
0: uh, the meatpacking industry? Yep. Yeah. that was Chernobog. He is the Slavic goddess of death, or Slavic god, sorry, Peter, of death. Yep, you're in trouble now. <laughs> and by the way, we should mention uh, the book, which was written by Neil Gaiman, fantastic book it is and he just did a graphic novel of it which turns it around a little bit i need to check that out but
1: this is neil we'll give a show on him eventually we
0: all things neil but that's what i think because you you have to look at mythology essentially as historical fiction it's trying to explain what's actually happened in a way that you know, I think, for lack of a better term, that would can keep the people under wraps. To
1: go on a tangent about that a little, there's a book out. By, it's about almost Fantastic Beasts. And what happens in it is that they try to explain, where do these myths come from? There's a sea monster book by Richard Ellis who does that. But this one's, okay, the basilisk is probably a King Cobra.
0: Stuff like that. Tries to make fiction. With, what is this really? Because everything's based on something. Well, or the old maritime legends of the mermaids. They think yeah. were basically either... What, narwhals or manatees? Yeah, and the gorgons, which was pre-dinosaur, a lot of them thought those were dragon bones. Yeah. So it's all based on historical fact and scientific fact some way. So that's, I'll throw my head in for- I think that works. I'll throw my head in for mythology on that one. Uh, Another one, another TV show, uh, MASH. I've mentioned it before. I like the show. It's based off of, obviously, the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital Units in the Korean War- but all these characters weren't real. No, there wasn't But it's anybody. based on the historic event of the Korean War, although the show lasted, what, two and a half times as long as the Korean War itself actually lasted.
1: And they got rid of the one character who was in it because they I guess there were not any black what, what, surgeons there.
0: What, yeah, the in the first season there was a character, a black surgeon named Spearchucker Jones. And he was in the movie. He was played by Fred the Hammer Williamson, was he not? I believe he was. And I, from what one of the things I've heard was that he was written out because there weren't any uh, black surgeons. I thought I maybe mean, the, because the name was offensive a little bit. Well, don't but, forget this know. was in the 1970s, yeah. so it was yeah. a li- it was a little little different then. I mean, th- I could be wrong. Prove me wrong,
1: internet. No, but I don't think so because I know there were Korean surgeons there because my doctor, my dad's doctor, was one of them. But I never heard of that. But you could figure that
0: one out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there may have been. I think there may have been. Army surgeons, uh, African-American army surgeons, but I don't know if they were actually in the the front line areas. No. Well,
1: look it up, find it out. That's yeah. what we're here for. We don't know everything or very much, but we well, try. Depends. But there's one I was really interested in. This was better than expected. I watched the movie The Great Waldo Pepper, and this is Robert Redford. He's a World War I vet who sort of embellishes his record a lot. But in the days of the 20s, when aviation was just coming around, they finally got it right back in Kitty Hawk and they started driving around. They had World War One. It became almost like the traveling ice capades in the 20s and 30s where these pilots would barnstorm and they'd pop up in an area, settle down, go around. Hey, you want a ride for $5? They'd take you up. You could tell everybody you flew around in one of these things. And Redford's this fictional character named Waldo Pepper who always says, I met the greatest pilot Ever in World War One, he gets found out by another pilot that he's lying because this guy actually flew in this squadron. They get busted for a couple things. They end up there's a tragedy that happens. They end up flying in an air show. Then they go on to be Hollywood stunt pilots. And eventually, Redford goes against this German flying ace, and they're doing stunts almost like a Howard Hughes type hell's angels movie i don't know if anybody's real and i know waldo pepper is it but it really establishes the era well and you think back in those days how really neat that was give these guys flying around the country in these puddle jumpers and it was fun it was just one of those movies that i went in going i've never seen it i'll give it a look better than
0: expected and it really got the era right when well, speaking of the era i thought of one how about memoirs of a geisha oh because, I know nothing about it except the title. So. You've never seen it? Or no. It? I've, I've seen the movie. I've never read the book, unfortunately. Uh, but the movie starred, I have it written down, and I apologize because Chinese names are incredibly, or Japanese names are incredibly difficult to pronounce for us Westerners, uh, Sang-ji and the wonderful Ken Watanabe. Oh, we know that. Did Amy, Amy Tan write that or somebody? I no, really actually don't it was know. written by an American, oh. of all things. I can't remember his name, but it was an American author who wrote the book. And basically, the memoirs of a geisha tells the story from an unnamed narrator. I don't you can't remember if the narrator was unnamed, but going through the process of becoming a geisha. Now, I know that the term geisha often has negative connotations, meaning like you know some sort of escort or you know sex worker. But the the fact of the matter is that geisha were very well trained. What would be the good word? Servants, helpers, not even maids, servants, like... um, compatriots or, yeah. or people they were court, courtesans, yeah, courtesans, they, yeah, and they were provided incredible training in music and poetry and dance and theater to basically be companions for wealthy businessmen or GIs or whatever. And that's that was their job. They helped, they had dinner with them, served them food, told them stories about. Japan and Japanese culture. It's a fascinating thing. And for us as Westerners not really understanding it fully, I think this movie gives us a really good look into it. It's not all as glamorous as I've just apparently tried to make it out to be. However, it is, it's is—it's a fascinating period. I think it was...
1: Uh, I honestly don't know anything. I just know when you hear escort services, you think, aha, another politician's
0: going to bite it. Well, you know. yeah, but... Now it's, I and uh, if I fig- if I find it out, I'll post it. I can't remember who I know wrote they the book. have them. They really exist. But oh I no, was, they really I do found, exist. Like, kind of
1: weird. I'm going to call somebody. I want you to go on a date with me. Well, that's of, a thing. Know, I
0: feel weird, but maybe the cultures are different. And I don't think it was so much you called them and you set up a date. It's you went to a function and they were provided, basically as as entertainers, um, like you've seen them in modern day. Th- shows they have them still in some of the high-end restaurants and inns in Japan and they come out they play play music play drinking games things like it's a fascinating thing and i well, think That's fascinating culture. I mean, it, it is. Really the Japanese is. culture is am- amazingly fascinating. I since we talked literature
1: i think this is the king of historical fiction Bernard Cornwall. Oh yes. There's so much i could talk about here with them and what he does and I'll just in the general overview he always takes real historical situations, uses some real characters. He will apologize sometimes because he will have to make somebody a villain, just like sort of like Richelieu was in The Three Musketeers, who's really not. But you need to have or you don't have a story. He's done so many books. He's done the Sharp series, which is like a soldier who gets in all the Napoleonic Wars. He's a British soldier. He's been played by Sean Bean on a series of shows, I think on AMC. They're not in order, but they run all the way from the eighteen hundreds. Sean Waterloo. Bean survived the filming of it? The... Yep. Oh wow. Somehow and he made it and he made it all the way to I think Waterloo. He finally goes, he they have to H. He's done Redcoat, which is about the
0: Civil War. That's no, what am I no, saying? Hey, hey, no, should, that's, that's Copperhead. Yeah, honestly, that's the only Cornwall book I've read and up till now I should say. And yes, it was Based on the Revolutionary War, but it was from the British perspective. Yeah, that's why it's Red Code. And, and it was quite fascinating. And at the very end of the book, you know, he said, he gives little notes on what he changed and how it was different from what actually happened. That's what happened. I love.
1: He does. One of the ones I like are the Norseman saga. This is Uthred of Babenberg. I think there's a series on it now called Northland something. There's a series. It might not be yeah. something on there. But what it is, he's a, he's a lord. He gets kidnapped by the Vikings. Then he goes back to English. It's in the time of Alfred the Great. Ga- and afterwards, He's trying to get his castle Babenberg back from his corrupt uncle. He's always switching alliances. And then, again, Cornwall goes on at the end about the historical fact about this. And one of the interesting parts about it is Alfred the Great, who was one of the greatest kings, probably saved Britain. He established modern Britain. He's probably buried underneath a shopping mall somewhere because his body got swiped by malls. I've
0: heard that. And didn't they find Richard III's? Skeleton in a par- under a parking lot yep. somewhere,
1: and he's also done Nathaniel Nathaniel Starbuck, who's a whaler. I've never read those, so I'm no help. He's done the Copperhead Saga. He's done the Warlord, who was not a wrestler in the Powers of Pain. This was a historical. Shout view out of King to the Warlord, Arthur. by the way. Yeah, who we love him, but and I wouldn't want Haku to beat us up. But one of the other ones he does is. Something like that, which I now forgot because (laughs) thank you, you're welcome. But it'll come back here, yeah. Oh, the warlord King Arthur. Then it tries to do the real King Arthur, not the one in the, the sword in the stone, Merlin. But he tries to establish Merlin as being from a druidic cult. But he tries to do it for real. And there he does a trilogy of that. He does the Archer's Trilogy, which is about Agincourt. I mentioned the Shakespeare one he just did. But he's fascinating because he really just weaves it so well, makes these characters up. And you want to
0: read. That's the beauty of it. You want to go and read the real history then. Well, that's the good thing about historical fiction is that it gives people... Reason to check out something that actually happened, but since you mentioned in um, trying to make a villain just for the sake of having a villain, let's talk Braveheart. Yeah, it's not even on my list, but Braveheart. We know the story: William Wallace fighting for Scottish independence against the British, then betrayed by Robert the Bruce. When in you know, but they needed a villain because in reality, the name, the nickname Braveheart was for Robert the Bruce, not for William Wallace. Well, you need villains. It's the, the ones, so this is going off the thing a little bit, but I
1: guess for The Express with Ernie Davis, they had to do a thing where they're playing in Virginia or somewhere in the south, and they had the crowd rioting and everything because they're all racist. What happened
0: was they all cheered. They look at the footage, but you have to have bad guys in the movies. It's no fun. Well, exactly, and I just watched uh, Hidden Figures recently, and they took... Um, a couple liberties like that in saying that oh, NASA was segregated for these African-American women. Actually, no. By the time NASA was created as NASA, the first thing they did was get rid of all desegregated areas to bring everybody together. But you have to have some conflict like that in movies. You have to give credit to the one
1: king that was in Braveheart because he survived being the jailer and Krull. Oh god, he
0: did. I forgot about that. I
1: thought Liam Neeson was the head jailer but it was the other guy no, and then he it survived wasn't. to go on. He screwed over William Wallace as well, which probably didn't really happen. Yeah. And Longshanks was not from what I've read, Longshanks was not like Mr. Evil is
0: King, but again, you just need the bad apples in there. Well, exactly. And without the without Robert the Bruce turning on William Wallace and selling him out to the British, it wouldn't have been as powerful a movie. I guess say and even and now the the Scottish people are really starting to have a much greater appreciation for Robert the Bruce because he really he really was the true face of the Sc- of the Scottish independence. Yeah, true. And he was the first king of Scotland. Yeah, he was. Wasn't
1: Edie I Amin mean, the way he No, claimed. he was the last king Edie of Scotland. Edie always claimed that he was Scottish, he was going to
0: recapture the thing. Nobody wanted him for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, in talking about another historical fiction and speaking with a dear friend of mine the other day, and I mentioned this to you earlier, Titanic. Yes, we know about the Titanic. Spoiler alert, the boat sank. If you don't know that, I'm sorry for you. But it's the whole love story, the Jack and Rose thing that was fictionalized. You had, obviously, the boat was real. The events that happened on the boat, to the boat, I should say, were real. I would say the captain was real. Yeah, Captain Smith. Captain Smith was real. Uh, Unsinkable Molly Brown, played by the... Fantastic Kathy Bates was a real character, well, a real supposed person, to be, I should
1: say. Supposedly, they had the thing where we want to die as gentlemen. They had some of the millionaires sitting there and when it was flooding. Yeah. I would be more of a coward, I admit that. Yeah.
0: I, I, not being there and not really, and now with the last survivor of the Titanic having died, who was an infant at the time, nobody knows for a fact. And there's that, again, a story that's probably
1: hyperbole or whatever, where some guy was drunk. And he survived. Yeah. He didn't even realize it was sinking. They shoved him on a boat, Yeah. and they had guys dressing up as women to get on the boats. I mean, it very well could have happened. No, you think about you think you're gonna you know you're gonna
0: die in three hours. I'm not that brave, I admit yeah. it. But that and that's another great example. It takes a very well known well, except when the movie came out, people were actually wondering why the boat sank, and that actually gave me very severe pains. But in any event, it was an actual event that was built, that was the foundation for a historical, or not a historical, a fictionalized storyline. I have one that's, I find this one a lot of fun because I really like Sherlock Holmes a lot.
1: And every now and then you'll see a fictional, well-known character brought into something that was real. And there's a movie called Murder by Decree, and it stars Donald Sutherland. He's Sherlock Holmes. And what it is, is Sherlock Holmes tries to solve the case of Jack the Ripper. What happens to this one? There's plenty of theories about Jack the Ripper. They use the Masonic theory where was, Sir William Gull was trying to cover up for evil deeds by Prince Edward.
0: You also have the Jack the Ripper that's buried in Rochester yep. in the Holy Sepulchre. Francis Tumble. Francis we could do a whole
1: show on him because he we might just be... might. He could be Freddy the Barber for all it we you could know. could be and there's so many Ripper. Theories. But they have Sherlock trying to solve it. He gets close to the case, and then they sort of told, hey, back off or something bad's going to happen to you. But they try to get the events of Jack down, right? Just they bring in a character who's obviously not real. Mm. It, but that's one of these things like that where it really is history, but it's okay, well, what would happen if we brought this character in who doesn't exist, but it might be kind of neat. He'd be there.
0: So, uh, And one I thought of... Uh It's a recent movie. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, The Great Wall with Matt Damon, the random white guy in medieval China. And it was... I didn't watch it. I'm not going to lie. I just saw the previews for it and realized I shouldn't watch it. I saw it. It reminded me of, anybody ever see The 13th
1: Warrior with Anthony Banderas? It was based on Eaters by the Dead by Michael Crichton. That's what it reminded me
0: of in a weird way. Except for the fact that they say the reason that the Great Wall of China was built was not to keep out Mongol invaders, but rather to keep out dragons. So, there you go. The only historical part of that movie is China and the Great Wall of China. I
1: don't know if anybody was real in it. I doubt it. I don't know. And why How did these guys get over there at that time either?
0: Where would Matt Damon's character have come
1: from? Did he get lost going to Albuquerque or something? How did I, he get there? He,
0: oh, yeah, he Bugs Bunnyed it and ended up in uh, Beijing. Yeah, like the old Buster Keaton silent movie or something. Yeah, but that's, I just, it made no sense. I know it's a movie. It's not supposed to make sense. Don't. Get off my back, internet, but that that right there, historical fiction, the only, but it was based off of, like, one thing, and they turned it into quite possibly something dreadful. I may actually watch it one day. I
1: got sort of, but then the DVD stuck, which probably saved my life, but oh, I don't even know who shame. his sidekick was, if he had one, or anything else, and I thought... I don't know why, I think some people have been in a lot of those martial arts movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and all those, so they knew what they were doing, I guess, but don't know who directed it, don't know anything about it.
0: No, I just know the
1: plot, the plots. That was enough. (laughs) Yeah, that was enough. So I have one, one of the best actors around, I think he might be our greatest living actor, he said he's retired now, is Daniel Day-Lewis, and he was in a movie called Gangs of New York, which was as a film read by Martin Scorsese about the gangs. When immigrants came to America, we had the whole melting pot in New York and everywhere else. We also had violence in a lot of gangs. And this happens where Daniel Day-Lewis is a real bad guy, and he plays this gang leader. What he does is he kills Leo DiCrapio's dad. Did I pronounce that wrong?
0: No, you I said can't. it right.
1: But they kill his dad, so he tries to get in the gang and ingratiate himself. The whole, It's one of those plots that are sort of familiar where he becomes almost a sundew. I think his name's William the Butcher Cuttings is Daniel day lewiss character. And they go through all these different gangs in New York, and a lot of them were real. And if you go through this other fiction, like about Dutch Schultz, all these gangs were actually real things. They used to have these brawls, controlled the city, and all everything else in those days. It's an interesting movie just hearing about all
0: these, because you really don't... There's a lot of mob movies, but you don't hear about these a lot. And much like every other Daniel Day-Lewis movie, he does a fantastic job in it. Yeah, he does. He just... He's an incredible actor. I mean, there's not much I could say about that. I have another one.
1: This is a really different one. It's almost a case of, where it's, again, if you take a fictional character, and you have a run through events. This one is called Little Big Man. He has Dustin Hoffman as this man born in the 18th century. Who it's, Again, it's almost a candy take. He goes through a series of things where his family's killed by the natives. He gets adopted. He goes back to the... Americans. He's president at Custer's Battle. He's president at all these different things that happens in the West. And he's a 100-year-old man who's telling his story to think Faye Dunaway who's a reporter. And he looks really creepy because he looks like the old grandfather in Texas Saw Massacre under the makeup. Oh, good and God. He's telling all these stories about Buffalo Bill, about Custer, who I've actually heard in history
0: was not as insane as he's made out to be. No, I... Those historical figures are not I mean, it, it's based on who you ask. Like look at, you know, Sherman. If you ask anybody in the South, he was literally the devil walking the face of the earth. You ask anybody else, I'm gonna say he was one of the greatest military minds of all Here's time. Here's a man who I would be afraid to call Uncle Billy, but I guess <laughs> that's all right. That was his true He didn't he didn't particularly care for it, but he didn't mind it. But I'd be afraid. He was not Yeah, and some- Somebody to mess with. <laughs> but, yes, I mean, so the man burned a major city to the ground, but, hey, what are you going to do? He was very big on war, that war is hell,
1: but he was very good afterwards you extend the peace branch. But he was brutal, but you would have rather been a troop with him than anybody else because he Yeah, because then you'd have to go against you. him.
0: Then you would have to go against him.
1: But I what had one, guy? when I mentioned Little Big Man, another very good historical... Fiction authors, George MacDonald Frazier, who's passed away, but he would write real historical books like about the border wars in Scotland. But for our purposes, he wrote a lot of ones. He wrote Black Ajax about fighting underground and everything in the 20th century. And he wrote about Flashman, who was a sort of cad guy, almost like Sharp, but real cad, scoundrel type, who found himself in all these wars in Britain in the 18th century. And they're really funny, and he wrote one called The Pirates, which is, he said, imagine the Corn Gold Symphony. Now, okay, now we're going to get rid of the real stuff. We're going to play it like that. And he would take historical events, make them really funny, and make, this guy was one of these scoundrels who, at the end, would come out barely, and his grand schemes wouldn't ever work out but he'd end up being alive and getting away and there's a movie in the 70s where Malcolm McDowell whatever his last Mac name Owl. Malcolm McDowell yeah, plays him. that guy and it's called Royal Flash but these books are really good they're really funny and they're really gets these are very good historical authors so all the historical stuff was right this guy's just interjected in those
0: well the one I just actually thought of because we were talking I can't remember what we were talking about but it made me think of it how about um the uh disney version of pocahontas i've never seen it actually well i mean obviously pocahontas real person uh what was his name john smith yeah captain john smith real person uh real situations except for the fact that uh pocahontas did not marry john smith she married john Rolfe, and ended up moving back to england and i think changing her name I actually am historically ignorant about this. I just don't. Well, yeah, I know it, it didn't pan out that you know it was a much it was a completely different person that she fell in love with, and well, I don't even know if they fell in love, but in any event, they got married. She moved back to England, and now there is always that famous etching of her in the, the the frilly collar and the the prim and proper English woman attire, and it was the same Pocahontas that was the the, the Native American. I don't know if she was a princess or. I, I don't remember exactly. Something to read about. I'm sure there's a lot of good books on it. Oh, yeah. One of
1: the other ones I was going to talk about, too, is Philip Jose Farmer, who's a really famous science fiction author. He wrote the Riverworld series, Gods of Riverworld, whatever of Riverworld. I've heard that. And well, yes. what would happen was these aliens would abduct people who were fictional or real from the U.S., different time periods, stick them on this planet for whatever purposes there'd be jack the ripper who was william gull he was reformed but there would be real people as well he would take all these people and use them sort of collaborate with each other It was really just interesting because he would go through the history of them you would see how these characters would interact and it was fun none of it was real and i think sci-fi did a movie so i'm not going to really recommend it get the books but i can't say i've
0: seen it I, i i know they made i think they made a show about it A show or a miniseries or something. And it's not Riverdance. It's Riverworld. Well, I don't want to see it now. Because if it's not Michael Flatley, I could give a rat's ass. And there's actually one more I'm going to bring up because
1: it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Slapshot. (laughs) And I never thought of this. But when they did the movie, this was a really, really good depiction of hockey in the 70s. It was violent. It was little-known the Brasford Broly's of this era. And a lot of these leagues, if you read about the old Quebec League, they actually had Chains up and stuff because people would get so nuts. So this was the story of a minor league hockey team, and I think they stole the plot from Major League. Was the owner's well, gonna no, sell? Yeah, it.
0: Major League swiped it from Slapshot. And it was the
1: Charleston Chiefs who were based on the, John, Houston, the wasn't?
0: Johnstown Chiefs of I cannot... the International Hockey League, or the and the uh, but the Charlestown Chiefs were in the Federal League,
1: and all these people in it just about were real players. Yeah, a lot of
0: the, the Hanson brothers who actually only two of them were brothers, although they did look alike. And one guy was named Hanson for real. Yeah, there was Dave Hanson, Steve Carlson, and, oh, who was the other Carlson? Jack Carlson? Yeah, Jack Carlson. But there was a third Carlson brother who got called up to the NHL and wasn't able to film.
1: And what happened was Nancy Dowd's brother played hockey, Got her into it. She would tape record the locker rooms. And a he, lot of these stories Did he real. also
0: not play Ogie Oglethorpe? Oglethorpe. And Oglethorpe was, was based, based on, on Gold, Bill Goldie Goldthorpe, who, who was supposedly for a
1: legendary goon. There's a documentary out about him.
0: Yeah, and I think he actually played AHL hockey in Syracuse. But look him up. All these
1: guys in the movie. Paul Newman, I guess, skated when he was younger, and he knew the director. But what happened, I think it was George Roy Hill. But what happened was all these guys were real. And you look him up. They brought Poodle. What's one of these guys? Gilmore Tuttle. I yeah. got banned or I, something.
0: I thought he was banned forever. And there was the guy who played Gilmore Tuttle was banned for life from the ECHL, uh, not for violence but for gambling. But I think when he was kicked out, he was and maybe still is the all time penalty minute. Leader in E East in ECHL history and the the incident where one of the Hansons gets pelted with something <laughs> that he'll beat the hell out of everybody. Yeah, in the that was outside. true. That
1: was supposedly based on something true. All these. Incidents I think were, the fight before the national one anthem of the happened. Ironies of it was afterwards. Nancy Dowd also wrote "Coming Home," but be, she became very disenchanted with Hollywood because her career never went on. And there's an, actually a very good book about Slapshot if you'd like to read it. What happened was she tried to sue the Hansons because they still around around make appearances and everything else and. They said, hey, you got all these stories from us. And actually, you have a little tie into one of the Hanses
0: from a relative. Well, actually, my stepmom used to skate at an, an ice skating rink at Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh. And Dave Hansen of the Hansen brothers, actually, I don't know if he still is or was the manager at the time. And she didn't know who he was. Until she saw the picture on the wall of him with the other two and him with Paul Newman. She said, you know, Dave, what's this? Like, oh, I was, you know, in a movie back in the day. And I sent her her and my dad the cover of the Sports Illustrated with the Hanson brothers and had him sign it. You know, it was two Zach putting on the foil. If you've seen the movie, you'll know what it's you'll know what I'm talking and about. And wasn't Dowd's brother
1: going to play one of the Hansons, or didn't somebody? No, did, what, he, got, he got
0: called up. Somebody what happened was up. the three Carlson brothers were supposed to play the Hanson brothers. Dave Hanson was supposed to play Dave Killer Carlson, but then when the third Carlson brother got called up to the NHL. Because he actually looked like them, they moved him up to the third Hanson brother, and it was an an actor that played Dave Killer Carlson. Oh, Dave's a killer. You know, Dave's a mess. He does a lot of. I can't. I constantly forget his name. I think it's Jerry, Jerry something. Jerry something. He does a lot of voice There's work. A lot of voiceover work, but Dave's a killer. I think he the voice of like Ernie the Keebler elf at some point, or Which one of the really Keebler elves. really kind of cool, but. Yeah. But uh, it, it sums it up perfectly in Slapshot when he said, Ned Braden's here, and he is a, a rarity among hockey players today, he's a college graduate and an American citizen. And the irony of the movie is the plot in the movie, which is unbelievable at the time, is
1: the rich owner wants to move hockey to Florida because there's a lot of senior citizens. Now what happened later on? The Florida Panthers, Tampa Tampa Bay Bay Lightning, Lightning. and all these others, it actually came to fruition, which was amazing because that was the plot. It's like, that's
0: crazy. Yeah, and the the stars moving from Minnesota to Dallas. And they bring up a lot of things like Eddie Shore, Cementhead. Ah, piss on Eddie Shore. (laughs) <laughs> old-time hockey yep old-time piss hockey. on old-time by your soda <laughs> yeah well well because of our outburst there the librarian has now threatened to break us unfortunately so i guess much like our talking points we too are history so i'm gonna throw out a uh give our shout out to our lovely sponsor Upsitnik and associates your you know legal f- god i'm Butchered that one. Sorry, everybody. That was history. Oh, that was history-making indeed. Opsitnik and Associates, law advice for you, the people, from the Supreme Court in Washington all the way to Alaska and all points in between. Visit them online, OpsitniksLaw.com. That's O-P-S-I-T-N-I-C-K. It's on our site sometimes, too, because I can't spell it. Trust me. Click below. It's in the description.
1: Yeah, I can't blow it. But I think we're past our due date. We better get out of here. Yeah. So, but, uh, we're The other thing I have to do is I actually met Denise Crosby Here's some shameless name dropping She was a sweetheart And I promised to say hi Denise uh, This was the highlight of my month meeting you And we got to talk about Fred Gwynn
0: and his children's books And funny other stories So hi Denise Hello Denise, you are amazing and we love you So for all of us here at the Carnival of Randomness And basically all of us, I mean me and Rob Get ye to your library Read some historical fiction Then read some actual fiction and, uh, and we will
1: have some real characters down the line for you. Maybe we'll have some
0: fictional, too. You never know. Could be fictional. Could be real. And, uh, well, that be that. Thanks, Soon. See you later.